When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Blakey's Booth Room, the number one Cardiff City podcast, brought to you by Wales Online. Hello and welcome to Blakey's Booth Room, the Cardiff City podcast in association with Giovanni's Restaurants. I'm joined by Nathan Blake and not Paul Abandonato this week, but we have a very able stand-in in the form of former Wales midfielder Carl Robinson. Carl, welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me. Bravo, bravo. <laughs> so in today's show, we'll be discussing a little bit about the Wales games in the last week. Um, and in part two, we'll be talking about Carl and, uh, and what he's been up to the last few years and what he's hopefully going to be up to in the next few years. Um, then we'll be previewing the Sheffield Wednesday game. And we'll finish off with a bit of predictions and some Ask Blakey and Carl at the end. So gents, we will, uh, we'll start with Wales then. Two games over the last week, two 1-1 draws. Uh, Blake, I'll come to you first. How did you see? Uh, well, let me just results? start by saying it's great to have Mumbaka back because I haven't seen him for years. Yeah, right. Uh, spent good time at Wolves, great times at Wales together, and it's just it's just great to have him back in the country. To be honest, you spend a little time with him as we've done today, just chatting football and life and family and kids. I think the last time we seen each other, we were on holiday together in Tenerife, and when was we that? hooked up. Well, I'll put it this way: I think he only had one child. <laughs> And I had two. I've now got three. And he's got two. Correct. Um, mine have left school and gone to university. And his, uh, one, his daughter has left school. About to leave school. About to yeah. leave school. So A long time ago. <laughs> Let's just say about 12, 15 years ago, probably last time. But we've seen each other in between that, but not spent any time. Mm-hmm. So great to have him. So, sorry. No, no, great, great. No, we're just the Wales uh, Slovakia. Thanks, Blake. No, yeah, mate, it's, it's, it's here in my eyes. No, mate. It's, <laughs> listen, I haven't seen you for time, mate, and we got you know good people. We got good memories. Good people yeah, keep mate. in contact. Uh, how long did you it's play good. at Wolves together for? <sighs> well, it should have been longer, but uh, yeah. uh, Dave the Rave kind of worked his uh, magic. His 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 freaking yeah, his his magic and yeah. I had a great time at Wolves. I was there for eight years, uh, and then once the the better players started coming in because the push for promotion came on, the major push where, with a bit of investment. And Blake's come in. Um, you know, that was my last year. Uh, and I decided to leave on a free transfer, really, and go to Portsmouth with Harry Redknapp, which is another story. But <laughs> I did try and convince Harry to sign Blakey at one time as well. So yeah, it almost happened too. Well, well, at least Dave Jones back. worked his magic again. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carl, nice to see you've come back from Canada without the Canadian accent anyway. Yeah, so, uh, I'll never lose my Welsh accent, don't worry about that. I can't, man. I'd be giving him so much stick yeah. if he did. <laughs> my kids have got two Canadian accents, which is which is quite scary, to be honest. But being we've been over there for 12 years, yeah. so... Um, which we'll get on to in a bit. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get on to that in, in a little bit. But yeah, like, like I said, we'll just touch on the uh, on the Wales games. Two, two one ones, uh, Blakey. What, what did you make of them? Um, I thought both very good results. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm not going to say they, they need a win. 
they run out of games to win a game, right? But Slovakia away, Croatia at home, you have to say it's two good points, as simple as that. They really needed a win in one of those two games for me. I think the pressure's on going into the last two games. Azerbaijan away, tricky, mm. very tricky. And then Hungary at home, yes, there's the red wall, but it's no foregone conclusion, trust me. I think that, you know, everything in the pot, you know, they're going to bring everything if it means they can finish second, and that's the same. So, you know, there's no gimmies there, but uh, I thought overall you can't complain about the two results and the two games of the way they they played and uh, seem to have found themselves a little system of play, which, did you ever think you'd see Giggsy playing uh, direct football? <laughs> well, I think you hit the nail on the head by starting going. Um, <laughs> I think that's a fair assessment because you can spin it any way you want. You can look at it half full, half empty. And two results where you were unbeaten, very positive, very good. Uh, you don't allow your opposition to have three points. But you can also look at it, would you be better off winning one game and losing one game mm. and getting another point? So whichever way, obviously, Ryan and his staff will look at it, uh, there's positives, but there's also maybe a missed opportunity as well. So especially the way they played. I think, you know, in Slovakia away, is a very difficult game, but I think the game was there for the taking. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think then, you know, if they would have been more proactive at certain moments and... When you try and put yourself in a manager's mind, um, which all supporters do because that's that's what they do, it's easy. There's no pressure, there's no circumstances, and you, you don't think of anything else. No than, consequence. No, nah, no consequences <laughs> other than just go for it. Why are you not going for it? But you have to try and you know take a step back and look at it from Ryan's point of view, and and only Ryan, if he explains it or you know it, it comes out publicly, will know why that happened at that moment or certain times. Mm. So. And again, going into Croatia, it's, we know Croatia are a top, top team, fantastic players. And I think you just saw the, I thought you've seen two games, the the difference in the way they played. Because, you know, from a managerial point of view, you look at high pressing, uh, you look at medium and low blocks, whether you're sitting deep on the edge of your box, you look at, you know, uh, possession orientated football, you look at transition football, you talk about quick counters, you talk about countering the counter and all of these things. And I think Wales against Croatia, he sat in a low block. Uh, there was for the first in, ten minutes in a very good shape. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they had very minimal touches. I think mm. after twenty minutes, it was eighty-one percent possession to Croatia. Yeah. So there was that, too much respect. I felt. Yeah, probably after the head injury. Yep. To uh, which I didn't think was a head injury. By the way, I was on commentary and I was even on replay. I was struggling Near to see where he hit his head. Right. right. Yeah. But it was great acting by the boy. <laughs> but after that twelve-minute period, they were one 0 down. You've got to go for it. And they did. Yeah, they, they, they did. There was a, there was a difference in the dynamic of the game. And it changes. Momentum changes in games. Absolutely, you know, you yeah. talk to managers and they'll talk to you about the first 15 minutes or 20 minutes. Then they'll talk about the period leading up to half-time and then the initial 15 minutes after half-time. So the game's broken down um, analytically, um, also, you know, tactically into these periods in each half. So I'm sure Ryan will have had his plan not to give too much away in the first 15 minutes. And then they go 1-0 down from an error. I believe it was a goal that should have been avoidable. Uh, and then there was a break in play due to uh, the head injury or non-head injury, um, which is another topic. But uh, then from that moment, they played it slightly different. They played on more front foot. They were still in their shape, but they were pressing from their shape and they were going in fives and sixes rather than in ones and twos mm. uh, and that makes a big difference against a, a quality team Carl do you think it's a it's a sort of sign how far Wales have come in recent years that 
us three now are talking about Slovakia, who are, who are a good team and World Cup finalists in Croatia, and we're perhaps talking about missed opportunities rather than just how brilliant results draws are. Definitely. I think the expectation in, in the country from you know 2016, uh, what, what I'll do is I'll go back really to John Toshak. All right, and I know people will have their views on, on John. When he came into the squad and he changed the squad and he got rid of some of the senior players, I don't know whether you were one of them, Blakey, at the time no, or not. No, no. Um, he'd done it for his the reasons of giving the youth players, the younger players, a chance. And he upset a few senior players, rightly or wrongly, uh, but he had the best interests of Welsh football at heart. Uh, and to this day, I still have great respect for John because... I was one of the senior players who he, who he explained to me what he was planning because I wanted to go down the coaching route. And my last two years in the Welsh squad were maybe substitute appearances and coming on here and there and playing in certain games um, where the so-called uh, next generation of youth, the Aaron Ramseys, the Gareth Bales, the Gunters and all these boys were coming through and they needed to play. And I understood it. And I respected that. And I think at this moment in the current climate, after 2016, when... Chris Coleman and, and Kit done a great job of getting them to the Euros. That's the expectation now. The expectation, whether you're young or old, it doesn't matter. Wells' expectation is to qualify. So when you don't qualify, it's a disappointment. Um, but Ryan's in the same similar boat to John was many years ago of how many youngsters is he blood? When does he blood them? When does he move on the senior players? When does he keep the senior players in the squad? And from a manager point of view, that is the key component of trying to keep the squad happy and getting them to work as hard as they can on the field with the, with the tactical nous which he implements. I think the transition, I think, speaking from a fan's perspective, I think most fans thought the transition wouldn't have been such an upheaval. So what you're explaining there about John Toshak and bringing in the youth, I think Ryan's trying to do the same thing. Correct. The difference is... There was no expectation back then. Correct. But yeah. since 2016, there's no expectation among Welsh fans. They then just missed out on World Club, Cup qualifying campaign. Not for the draws in the Miller campaign, they would have qualified, right? So I think most fans were expecting whoever came in, and it's not Ryan, it's whoever came in, their job was to manage the transition probably slower, right? Work with Chris Coleman's team more, and the experienced players and gradually integrate the younger players but expectation is we qualify for the Euros mm. so the balancing act of what Ryan's having to do is is huge right because I would say one of the problems in this campaign has been the transition of players mm. trying to find the best team during a qualifying campaign that has been, and I would say up until Belarus, or including Belarus, you were looking, thinking, that what is? I watched the Belarus friendly, and I, well, I was commentating on it. I just couldn't understand what we were trying to do. Mm. I I understood the thought process of what we were trying to do, but it wasn't being carried out on the pitch. Whereas then, I think they had a bit more time to work on it, and then the qualifier against Slovakia. Um, you could clearly see it worked to a more direct basis of football and then we're going to play from there and get the ball down a bit because you've got some very very good players you've got you know a couple of world class players if, if Rambles fit also but 
they 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 looked a far better team than the last two games because they seem to have found their system of play, mm. right? And now you've got Aaron Ramsey to come into that, which big man up front wins a lot of flick-ons. Ram, one of Rambo's strengths is running beyond, right? And I think the difference between him and say a Johnny Williams is Johnny Williams has not got that aggression for goals. Johnny gets to the shooting point and passes it. I've always said he needs to be a more aggressive in front of goal and take that opportunity himself. Whereas Rambo, he'll either open up like a safe or he'll just put in your top back. I mean, from 20 yards, he's got that ability. So I think a fully fit Welsh team, I think will do, do very well in the system they're playing. But then you've got to have that striker. And the, the, the problem is if you've got a Volks or a more injured, then you have to adapt your style of play. So just Again. so just even there, you, you talk about this, the style of play or a system. Mm. Um, do you have that and then put your players into that? Mm. Or do you put your players in their best positions and then change your system around? Well, it's different in club and country, isn't it? Because country, you haven't got that choice to go and buy someone to fit into no. your system of play. Yeah. So you have to work with what you're given. You cannot right, say this is the philosophy we're going to adopt because you might not have players that fit into that philosophy. It's mm-hmm. as simple as that. Club football, I can go and buy and sign and you know start to put together what I want, but you can't in do a, that in a in perfect football, world, right? as you say. Right? Yeah. In, 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 yeah. in you know, internationals, you can't do that. So you know it's taken a while, but I think they've got the a system that works well for them. Well, especially the last two games. It's, it's finding the balance because you know Wales... I've always been known as a, a hard-working nation. We are who we are, and we're proud of who we are. You know, and when you Blakey will tell you, whenever you go onto the field, one v one, it's against you against your opponent, mm. and that's eleven v eleven. So, when you're talking about styles of play and systems, and uh, can we be a possession-oriented team? Wales are not going to have sixty percent possession against Croatia, and I think Ryan and his staff knew that, and they set up a game plan. Uh, his tactical game plan was to allow them to have the ball but not be exposed on the defensive side in certain areas. So they went a little bit more direct, like they did in Slovakia game, and it worked. The the, the big thing now becomes, you know, well, if they only had 35% possession and it worked to get a result and a positive result against a fantastic team, when they go into the next two games, how will they adapt when they have more of the ball? Will mm. they stick to their principles? And the principles are when the, the fullback... Connor Roberts got the ball, he looked into Kiefer Moore, or is his first option or second option into a midfield player, Aaron Ramsey, who wants the ball, who, who plays in a, a possession-orientated team in Juventus, dominates the ball, or in behind for Gareth Bale. So those are the things that Ryan now will be spinning over his head uh, in preparation for the next game, and it's all dependent on whether the players play regular club football in and, between that period. And to link it into Cardiff City, it's what <laughs> Cardiff City... The one side of the game they do the direct football, they don't do the keeping of the ball. Yeah. All right. Whereas Wales, you watch that game, you see right great balls direct up to the up to more flick ons, people running beyond. Especially like I said, the last two games, not so much the Belarus game, the last two games, the pattern you understood what they're trying to do. Whereas Cardiff at the moment, they've got the one side where they play the direct football then they need to get more possession-based, especially when you've got players that players we've bought and signed who are up there amongst the championship's best. 
Do you know what I mean? You can then be expected not to have more possession of the ball because you know Cardiff tend to. We've watched it four or five passes, and they can't get beyond that. You know? well, when you, you have when to you work at it, right? You Rubble, do. Stay out on the training ground. I always say it. It's hours and you hours. Can't just go out and expect now. And I said, would you agree with this, Rob? I, I said, sorry to you know digress Please. a little on the car. I'm sure, they'd rather hear you than me. But I, I, I said like. With with Cardiff and the players they've signed and what have you, it's going to take two or three years if you want to transition to a, a more possession-based team. It's going to take you two or three years because the players you're going to have to get rid of and then sign. Some players be able to transition, yep. but it'll take them time because they're simply not used to patterns and people being in certain places or rotating or what have you. But it will take two or three years to clear out the players that played and thought and had a philosophy in one certain way yep. to gain players who are more possession-based and think more about possession of the ball, keeping the ball, rather than playing direct football. Would you say that's something that you can do in three months, six months, or is it literally when you've got a squad of 25, I think it is? Yeah. It does take time to change all, not all of them, but you're going to have to change at least half of them, I would say. Yeah, it, it does take time. Um how long's a piece of string mm. is the old adage yeah. and again you know manager going into a new club if that's what happens wherever he goes will assess the squad he knows what he's got prior to going in and he's got his way of playing his his style of play his philosophy some players fit certain systems and some don't mm. if you're going to be a high pressing team then the likelihood is you can't have two big well, physical you, have, you couldn't have Volks and more in a high press well, and you couldn't have two big physical centre-backs who were very good at defending the edge of their box and mm. dealing with crosses, no athleticism. But no athleticism. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, sometimes you're caught in between. Um, are you this type of team? Are you this type of team? And uh, But it, it does take time. It takes hours work on the field, mm. you know, and that's what people don't see, the fans don't see. Um, the managers and the players, it's repetition. You know, you can't go from... When you talk about systems... It's, Example four three three or the four one four one or the four two three one. They're all the same. They're four three three. It's the personnel within the three. So break down midfield and you play two holding players and a number ten. Is the number of ten a creative player, a flair player, um, a second centre forward? Is he another midfield player? Is he Are a you, box a boxer? Is he a box right. a box? Are you playing him to stop the defensive deep lying player play? Six, right. Or are you doing it for the sake of your benefit of your team mm. that you got your two dogs in midfield who are your connectors and you want your number ten on the field? Well, if you're playing a ten, he becomes then vital to your team for your wide players because your wide players are wingers or are they midfield players? If they're wingers, you want 1v1 situations. You don't want, in the last 40 yards of the field, you don't want them 1v1 in their own half because that takes away their strength. So again, it's it's just adaptation to what the players' what the players' strengths are, who fits into what you want. So going back to the question was, you know, would it take a number, uh, a number of weeks, months, whatever? Yeah, it would. Mm. Um, but you'd quickly find out which ones are comfortable receiving the ball on the half term under a bit of pressure, which ones weren't, and... Depending on what you want to hook it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're a high-pressing team and you're playing a big target man who's not very mobile, that's not very you know suitable for what you want to play. If if you want to play a high-press, you look at Liverpool with Firmino and the two wide players, Saleh and Mane, and they press in their own third, attacking third non-stop. And once it comes into the midfield third, then it's Wijnaldum, it's Fabinho's, and it's Jordan Henderson's job. So they know they're all pressing, and they can press because they're mobile. Yeah. So... 
Again, it comes down to certain personnel. It mm-hmm. comes down to tactics, dynamics. It mm-hmm. comes down to the what you, you what you want to achieve and how you want to achieve it. But I said it takes work. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of work. Okay, just quickly then to finish part one, um, the two games coming up: Azerbaijan and Hungary. Um, I'll come to you both. How do you think those two are going to pan out? I think Azerbaijan is going to be tricky. Banana skin. I think it potentially could be. Um, I probably predict us getting a point there. Uh, wouldn't be great, but when they were here, they popped it round well. Uh, I thought their rotation, their one touch was very, very good. One touch, two touch, good rotation. Um, I just didn't think they were as much of a threat in that final, final third. But I think up to the final third, I thought they were very good. So. And I've played in Azerbaijan. We've been there a couple of times, eh, Rob? And when the fans get up, you know, it's one of them. International football so difficult. Because mm. Rob was just mentioned momentum. Uh, and we have it with the Red Wall. We talk about it all the time, you know, coming to, you know, final game. If we win in Azerbaijan, coming here, the Red Wall, finally, you know, it's going to be difficult to overcome. Same applies when you go to other countries. <laughs> it's as simple as that. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough ask, I think. I think we can get the win there. I'm ready to do, it'll be tight. It'll be a 1-0 or 2-1 or something like that if we do manage to get the win. But, um, and then hungry at home, you know, like I said, it's really a toss of a coin because both teams are going all out for, they can't afford to sit back, we can't afford to sit back. So it's literally a boxing match, isn't it? Basketball game, it's going to be end-to-end. Whoever keeps a clean sheet wins the game. Simple as that. Going back to momentum that Blakey mentioned there, the red wall, if you looked at the last 10 minutes of the Croatia game, Wales against Croatia, or the first 10 minutes, you wouldn't predict as a fan that Wales were going to probably win the game in the first 10 minutes. But as a fan, you'd predict they could have won the game in the last 10 minutes. minutes, And that was because momentum in the game had shifted. It had changed. The dynamic of the game had changed. Uh, and the transition moments, which Wales have got a lot of speedsters, Harry Wilson, Daniel James, Gareth Bale, before he, he hobbled off in the last few minutes, um, that suited their skills, their skill set. So they're pacey players, attacking players. They like to break forward quickly and transition yeah. with pace. The last 10 minutes, the red wall was behind them because it was front foot football, energetic football, and the opportunity was them there for them to win. So... Uh, the red wall is great and uh, obviously they'll need that in the second game but going back to I think it's in Baku is the game in Baku Yeah. I don't think I've ever played in Baku where it hasn't been a very very difficult game mm. it's, it Pitch. is horrible Pitch. it's sticky <laughs> hot it's hot Yeah. Uh, you hear the horns it's, yeah. it's the stadium's half empty Pitches and then they're on top of you looks great from TV it does <laughs> you get down on the pitch and it's like a so field. it's going to be a tough game it will be You know. again going back to Blakey's point he said that he liked Azerbaijan because they popped it, they played little combinations and they made movements. So that's international football. So that shows you there that an international team who doesn't have its players day in, day out, week in, week out, can get a little pattern, an idea, a way of playing and do it and put it, implement it on the national team level. So mm. there's no reason why you, you could do that at club level every single day, yeah. but you've got to stick to it. Yeah. And when a team stops you doing that, What's your plan B? Because you have plan A and plan B as a manager and you have these ideas of how you want to, but it changes sometimes in the game. Mm. So it will be a difficult game. I expect them to win. I think we need to win, obviously. Got to um, win. It's two wins we need now. So I think, you know, if they 
go into the game, approach the game with the same mindset, mentality and, and tactical identity that they had with Croatia with a few tweaks here or there based upon the personnel they have. You know, I can see Ryan getting the, the boys up to win that game. Mm, especially with Aaron Ramsey hopefully fit as well. Um, okay, well, that's the end of part one. In part two, we'll be chatting to Carl a bit more about uh, what he's been doing over in Canada. Hello and welcome back to part two of Blakey's Boot Room, where we'll be talking to Carl Robinson about what he's been up to the last few years. So, Carl, it's about ten years now you've been across the Atlantic? Well, until you came back last yeah, year, obviously. Yeah, twelve, actually. Twelve. twelve. Yeah, twelve enjoyable years. You know, I finished my career in 2000... Well, I went over in 2007, left Norwich and went to Toronto FC, new franchise in Major League Soccer at the time. Spent two wonderful years there, great great organisation, great club. Moved to New York Red Bulls, become a player coach for two years under Hans Backer. Fantastic learning experience. He was the assistant to Sven Goran Eriksson at England and, and Man City, so really, really great experience for me there. And then moved to Vancouver, the Pacific Northwest, uh, and I've been there for the last seven years. So really, really enjoyed my time over there from a, a living perspective. My brought my uh, young family up into young adults, which is great, um, you know, and enjoying it. And how did that job come about uh, at Vancouver? Well, I, I I become an assistant manager, uh, and uh, when I left New York Red Bulls, which was you know New York Red Bulls, everyone knows they've got Salzburg, they've got Leipzig, great organisation. Uh, but the manager was leaving, and based upon the manager leaving, he advised me that probably there'd be a change in the group of coaches. So I decided to, it was right for me to leave to become an assistant to uh, Martin Rennie, who was managing in the USL, which is a league below. He was getting the job and he needed experience, uh, MLS experience. So I went, I had a wonderful two years there, and it was really enjoyable. And, um, you know, then the, they made a change. So from that moment onwards, uh, by hook or by crook, I got the job, and uh, I was the manager for four and a half years. And how how did you find that transition, that step up into the number one role? Did you did you take that in your stride, or was it difficult to? No, it was it it was. I'd say it was natural for me, and people always say, "And when you're listening to all these experts and analysts, it's brilliant because some of them have got experience, some of them haven't, and and you think, right, okay, well, do you really know what it's like? Do you really understand what it's like?" And the ones that do have the experience and do have the knowledge and understanding of certain things, you know, they probably don't get listened to as much because they're the ones in the know-how. And I felt that being a player and understanding what you needed individually and collectively and then being a, a player coach and learning the ropes of the coaching side and then being an assistant and being a support system to the manager, but also being the, fr the player's friends and the pick-me-ups when the manager leaves you at the team for his reasons and you stick by the manager and you say, this is my job and role, and then becoming the manager, you become the bad guy. Um, so, I, you know, people said, well, he, everyone loves him. And as a manager, no, everyone can't love you because you're the one that makes the decisions. But what I learned was from day one, my players did love me. My players did respect me and they respected me and loved me because I made them better. I worked them hard and I was honest. Honest. And I was honest to them. You Honesty, know the best policy. And I never lied because once you lie, based upon the experiences players have, is the locker rooms are a sacred place. It's a good place, enjoyable, but it's also a hard place. And if you tell a lie to a player and a player then goes back into his 
the locker room, the changing room with his teammates and says, oh, what did the gaffer say? Because they want to know every single thing about everyone else as well, what the manager says. And you say, he said this, but it's not true. And and they've been in similar conversations that, a week earlier. That also comes from experience, right? It does, you've yeah. experienced that totally. way, yeah. firsthand. Yeah. Where a manager has told you one thing and then yeah. gone and done something totally the opposite yeah. or done something that, you know, he hasn't said to you, oh, I'm going to promise you this yeah. and that. And then... You it can't, you can't promise players anything mm. other than say, it's down to you. Mm. And then if you give them objectives to try and targets to try and reach and they reach them targets, you have to reward them. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And that is based upon experience because mm. when I got told I wasn't playing for this reason, I always used to say to a manager, can you tell me what I need to do to get in the team? Mm. And then I would get two points or three points. Mick McCarthy was brilliant at it. Mick would give me two or three points. And I'd say, if I do, if I do these correctly, Mick... Will I be in your team? Yeah, 100% Robbo. See, I, right? I never had that problem, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> that's fair. But that's, oh, are you joking, son? That's true. Come on. But that's how you learn. We're going to have a bit of fun on the podcast. But I learned. The boys will be laughing. The boys are guilt, should I say. I, um, that's how I learned. So I learned, uh, treat people as you want to be treated. Absolutely. You know, respect And that's just people. general rule of life for me. Of being a human being. With everybody. It? Do you know what I mean? Mm. I ain't gonna I ain't gonna say to you, look at that sky. It's purple. When you can clearly see it's blue. I'm not gonna try when you, to when you, you when you become a father, me. you know, you say to your kids, don't do lie. this, do that, don't lie. Mm. How can you t- preach one thing to your kids mm. that you're gonna be with you for the rest of your life, you know, and then in your workplace turn around and do the total opposite because it's literally like a father-son relationship right it is the manager with the the dressing room I always said that right it's there's certain managers who I I did look as family figures like Eddie May at Cardiff City yeah so I had Len Ashes when I first came in never looked at Len as like a family figure but then Eddie May massively looked at him as a family figure right because he was he spoke the language that I totally got yeah. There was, there was no black and white. There's no in between, right? Do it, or I'll knock your block off. It's not a thing, right? <laughs> it might be, have to be reworded right. a bit differently. Yeah, we're reworded nowadays. now. But you kind of understood it, right? But at the same time, I would say you had the Cardiff fans. They would sing to Eddie May. Eddie sort them out when we weren't playing well. Right. Eddie, Eddie sort them out. It wasn't like, you know, you don't hear that chant no. anymore. It was like they're your kids, Eddie, and they're playing up. Yeah, sort of, yeah. right? And it was literally like that. And and he he was he was that big gruffalo who would come in half time and and just freak out on people. So, but it's, it's interesting because every ex player you talk about that's gone into the coaching and management side of it. Again, same with me with Graham Taylor, Harry Redknapp, Dave Jones, you know, and varying success, good and bad. Mick McCarthy, uh, brilliant. Uh, John Toshak, brilliant father figures in coaching wise, yeah. uh, and. The ex-players now that have gone into management will tell you, you know, Mick was a big, massive part of my my growing up uh, because he taught me and he guided me. And that's what your job is as a parent. Mm. So as a manager now, you can't go into that locker room and tell them, if you give players 1% of any inkling to take off you, whether it's tactical, technical, physical, mental, they will take it. So you can't. But you have to be clear and concise with them. And you have to put your foot down. I'm in charge. I'm the manager. But the 20 or, 20 or 25 or 30, whatever your squad entails, are all your kids. And you have to treat them as all your kids and, and teach them the right things. And the right things is, don't lie, tell the truth. Work hard, you get your rewards in football, 
in any in any walk of life in any job if you, if you put the work in so that's where it's all done but you know that was one of my fundamentals i went into management with on the first day i said guys my my manager's door is open if you've got a problem, don't talk to each other. Come and speak to me. Because all you know, you want to know why you're not in the team. Your teammate won't tell you. I'll tell you, and I'll tell you the truth. If you don't like it, that's fine. We can find a solution. But if you if you understand it, you'll get your head down. And I had very good success with it. And uh, we, we've been talking a little bit about styles of football. How would you summarise your style of football as a manager? Yeah, well, that's an interesting one. You know, everyone talks about it and everyone says, you know, they want to play this way. And I went in with the, in 2014, I think, with the idea of, you know, I was a, I was a defensive midfield player who liked to get on the ball and be a connector and try and keep the ball. And you want to, you know, your philosophy as a manager, and I think it's refreshing sometimes when some managers just say, listen, the experienced one, they go in, they build a foundation, they build their defensive principles, they got their stability, and then they look at what attacking pieces they've got, and then they turn around and say, right, how can I get the best out of my attacking players? That's when you're experienced, and you know that the job might be six six games, six months, or two years. Mm. You know, we talk about Cardiff and philosophies and styles and things like that, and plans and when you're a manager, you think about here and now, short term. So I went in with the idea of we want to play this certain way. We want to have this um, this possession-based or orientated style. Uh, and I quickly realised uh, in the first season that um, you know better players, and there were teams that had better players than us. Uh, sometimes have more of the ball. You know, when Wales played against Azerbaijan away, Azerbaijan had more of the ball than Wales. That wasn't mean they were better better team it meant circumstance it meant conditions it meant travel it meant um, momentum shifted that um, so I actually tr just figured out a way to try and I wasn't instilled on one style uh, I would have my principles in play and my foundations and then I would tactically adjust whether it's a 4-2-3-1 a 4-4-1 one a 4-3-3 uh, with the players I had and that sometimes changed based upon the, the personnel that were in the team and at the team so we become a I would say, uh, 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 you know, what's the, probably the right word for me to use for my first year is a hard-working, horrible team to play against, <laughs> all right? Because we'd missed the playoffs and we needed to get back into the players, so the objective was to reach our target. Uh, second year, uh, I signed better players. And when we had better players, then we'd become this slightly different team based upon me instead of playing a, a, a 10, which was a, a second forward played a natural number 10 and a natural number 10 was he wanted the ball all the time so my objective of the team was getting the number 10 the ball Lee all Tommy. the time right so <laughs> he can then supply my centre forward his job was to score goals and get my wide players and I always played with wingers fast wingers because when the game dictate momentum shifted in the game and you went from a high press team or a low medium block or a low block then you had your outlets and your outlets rather than play it up front to the big man who was Kenny Miller at the time um to my wide players, whose, whose skill set was fast, pacey, and liked to counter. Um, but their objective was crosses, crosses into the box. Because otherwise, number nine, Kenny Miller, would be knocking on my door asking me why he's not getting service. So it was it was a jigsaw, and it was piece by piece. Um, so it, it changed, uh, and we reached the playoffs in our second year, and our, our targets in our second year of semi-finals, which had never been done before, which was great. Um but then I started to open up and I thought, right, okay, we're, we're not conceding too many goals, which was great. The, the, the foundations were great. And we had one of the top three or four clean sheet records in the league. Defensive 
uh, teams uh, to not scoring enough goals. And you know, we worked on things in the off season uh, to try and get more goals. So instead of scoring fifty odd goals, could we score sixty goals? Because everyone likes the data and analytics, and you know, they've all got these ideas, and and that's important for an outlook on football, especially. Um, so you know, I said if we can get in these areas more. Five example, these areas more for wide players. Five times a, a game, they will produce three to f- three, two or three more crosses to my centre forward. So, based upon that, we'd get more opportunities to score more goals. What I didn't realise was sometimes the old John Toshak scenario when he first took the job said, "It's football is like a quilt. A quilt is bedding. Is you you get into bed, and when you get into bed." Your head is cold because it's cold at night. So you want to actually get your head warm. So you obviously either put a pillow over your head or you pull the quilt up over your uh, over your head to keep yourself warm. Well, when you pull a quilt over your head, your feet get cold. All right. And he always used to use it as, as a football analogy. And I thought, you know, at the time, what is he on about? And But he's right. It's defending and attacking. You try and score more goals and you play a certain way and you attack and you attack. You leave yourself vulnerable at the back. Mm. And he's right. So year three was great because we scored a lot more goals, but we conceded a lot more, Mm. um, which made me then reset, rethink. We missed the playoffs uh, going back to year four. And year four, we went back to our foundations of hard to play against, hard to beat, using my attacking players in ways which suited them. Very, very transition uh, because the league is growing, the teams are getting better, um, and we had to fit my. I had to fit my personnel into a system that suited them, and was also good and basic fundamentals for me. So was that difficult? Because if you've set the philosophy, yeah, right, and then you're basically returning to your original philosophy, how difficult was that? Because you've said you've got better players, yes, right. So the players you're getting. To score more goals, and now, well, not going to be in the same and mindset yeah. as the players right. who. But this is the this is conceded less right. goals. This is the interesting thing. So where's fo- the balance the there? Mm. So the philosophy didn't change. Mm-hmm. All right, just tactical elements within that philosophy. Yeah. So changed. you sit with two sixes rather right. than okay. So we went a, a four, six and two a four, three, three, yeah, and, yeah. and my number eight always joined in, or my mm-hmm. number eight pressed high. Mm. Well, we set a trap and we said, right, we'll we'll defend in a medium block, yeah, like Wales did the yeah. other day. Uh, we'll set traps. Why are we setting traps in a medium block? Well, mm. we're doing it because when the opposition go into a certain area of the field, that's my trigger point to mm. win the ball. Yeah, because then. If we've done that and we've set in a low block and we set the trigger to win the ball, and once we win the ball, what do they say my um, style was with my wide players? I had techni- very technical, fast wide players who were very good in transition moments. Mm-hmm. So to allow the opposition to come into an area where I wanted them to, to set a trap, to then exploit that, do your job. Your job is to win the ball, secure the ball, but then transition into the space which we've set the trap for allowed that me to sell that to them again to say hey guys listen this 40 yards of space instead of 20 yards of space mm. you'll get more space you'll get more room you'll get more chances on goal you'll get more uh crosses crossing opportunities yeah um, but it, it's, it's 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 stands to reason right it was it was it, yeah. like when um in previous years like when we had russell slade and Trollope. We didn't have a lot of pace in the team. Right. Right? Yeah. But we were trying to play counter-attack. You can't. 
Right. There you go. But then what Charles said he was going to do was play the Wales way, which was basically a counter-attack yeah. because you had Bale, who was lightning quick yeah. at that point, Ramsey, run yeah. all day. You know, you had players who could counter. Yeah. And I say, well, we only had Kadeem Harris in our squad who had any right. sort of yeah. pace. So it was impossible to play a mid or deep block and then use the transition as the counter-attack transition yeah. because you can't get away. Can't. Yeah, and, and when you can see it that blatantly... Yeah. But there was friends in the press of mine who were yeah. saying, oh, isn't it a lot better when we play a lot, be lot better football? Well, no, when we're sitting in the deep block, we're passing it around the back, yeah. we were fine. Every time we transition into midfield, we lose the ball because we didn't have the players, right, who were able to either the wide players to get yeah. away or yeah. the skill set in the middle to hold the ball and allow people so to travel. You just answered the question based upon what I said I needed to do. Mm. I slightly adjusted it by playing the high press to get more goals to Absolutely. then a medium block mm. to try and engage my the opposition to come into a trap. Yeah, sucking you in. So again, as you said there, Cardiff played all under previous manager played all the football in their own defensive third yeah, that's lots fine. of touches lots yeah. of so the possession stats were yeah, high don't scare the score there though Rob but the opposition they kind of were playing against just set them a trap absolutely and then obviously scored goals absolutely. on them because they were too deep absolutely but then our 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 our, our hierarchy wondered why yeah. we were falling under Russell Slate right and it was like fellas come on don't you understand the game? Don't you understand yeah. why? It's obvious you can't play counter-attack football with no pace yeah. in your team. You cannot. It's impossible, right? And then bit by bit, what, what happened when Neil came in? Well, of course, straight away, he brought in wingers who could run. Yeah. Yeah? And stretch teams. You know, Mendes Lang in the first in the championship, when he first hit the first ten, eight, ten games, he was unplayable. Yeah. You know, you had Junior Hoyler on the other side. You, you started to bring players in who... Okay, Junior's not as fast as Mendes, but what he's able to do, he's able to work and yep. skill and move out and he's got enough pace to stretch yep. and then cut back and then cut inside and, you know, he's very technically gifted. So when, when you played Blakey many, 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 many years ago... You put another two <laughs> um, many's on right, there. Many, many. Um, <laughs> if I asked you to do the job of my one of my midfield players, right, yeah. what would you have said to me? Uh, in the system you want to play? Yeah, in, in any system. If I played a uh, 4 3 3 and you were the number nine and yeah. I asked you yeah. to get on the deep lying player, yeah. all right, who, by the way, is a smart player, clever player, yeah. um, what would you have said to me? I would have said, fine, yeah, right. I'll score you do it. goals because I'm high up. Right. Yeah. So, again, you ask players to do certain things. For reasons, mm. all right. But you've got. I I know that you're a goal scorer. Yeah, yeah. So I know. I, I know. I needed to get you into the box or mm -hmm. get as many balls into the box to help you mm. to sell. But what I, I would understand from a mid block or a deep block, right? Robbo, as long as yeah. I know Robbo's got the winger, we got the wingers to be able to travel. I'm not relying on me picking up the ball from 60 yards and running past four players and sticking it yeah. in there. You couldn't do. I that. know we're gonna get. I'm gonna get goals. Right. Right. Because I'm going to hunt around their number six, yeah. right? But basically stay between their two centre halves. Yeah. When we transition and break, I'm not looking to get involved. So, I'm the, if I if I have to, it's a one touch layoff to a midfielder. Then I'm okay. just bolting. So this is how you sticks. learn football and coaching and, and and tactics and things like that. So me selling to you, Blakey. I need you on this area so he doesn't get the ball and spray and switch and cause my team problems. Mm. By the way. When we win the ball, I set a trap up in this area. We win the ball. 
play 10 yards the other side of him because mm. you're in that little zone there where the defenders don't want to step and mm. step out to you because they're worried about your pace and your power. Um, I've sold it to you. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think under current circumstances at Cardiff, I feel a little for Glatzel. Right. Because I don't nine, think yeah. they play in a way that is... What's his strength? For him to get... Well, He's a big lad. Yeah, no, tall right? boy. Yeah, number But he's nine. got good feet. Right. And if you watch his clips from yeah. uh, when he played abroad, yeah. he's he's a he's a player. He's not a he's not a beast. No. You know, gonna smash you and how you know, do his goals come? And does he score with his feet? Running onto the running ball. On. Right. More than holding up the ball, twisting. But he likes chair. to join in. He likes. He's got yeah, good yeah, because right. he's he's a player. You know, and I I just think if Cardiff played. Not, I'm not saying go from where they no. are to being like, like a 90% possession no. team. But if you've got possession of the ball, you score, right? Yeah. You can't score that possession of the no. ball. So if you can increase your possession a bit yeah. more, I think you know you would help Glatzel an awful lot, especially in that final third. Because what Cardiff have got, yeah. they have got pace. So if, if Glatzel is the number, the prototypical number nine and likes, if I can put my teeth back in, uh, <laughs> and likes the ball to his feet, yeah. right? and he comes deep, and you're playing against two centre-backs. One centre-back goes really, 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 tight. really tight with you, and one yeah. covers. Mm-hmm. But if you've got two wide players that are also on the same line as him and high, yeah, yeah. that have got pace, and as soon as Glatzel, because he's a clever, smart player, comes into this little area behind the number six of the opposition and drags the defender I'm out, yeah. that is your trigger for your wide player. Yeah, yeah, but absolutely. he can't do it from 80 yards away. No. He needs to do it from 40 yards yeah, yeah, yeah. in and around the halfway line. So yeah. it's just about triggers, timings, putting your players in the right areas and skills timing is everything and timings like they say in comedy timing is everything right so don't put me running that space when they're pushing up because I run offside you know as simple as that so timing is everything and you can't run in behind if there's no space absolutely but I think the transitions and the movement in midfield I think we're too rigid right I think we need to free up a bit more and I honestly do believe that the players at Cardiff City can be a yeah. bit more... I'm not saying, boys, tomorrow go into... But to get more possession of the ball yeah. and to give the opposition a few more problems yeah. and not be sort of like direct all yeah. the time. You know, the, the direct football works for yeah. Cardiff City, right? But I'm saying, why wouldn't you add a few more strings to your bow to give the opposition more of a problem? Transition football is... Um, is pretty simple and basic but it takes a lot of work yeah right? and it's a lot of patterns and it's a lot of repetition yeah. it's a lot of timings and it's a lot of movements um but when they say transition it doesn't mean sit on the edge of your box it can mean you transition from the middle third you it's the football, best place to win it actually it is it? yeah because it's higher up the field Absolutely. but football is pretty simple uh, i think you know everyone wants to play the man city way unfortunately man city play the man city way mm. and barcelona play the barcelona way so if you you're going to try and implement that into your team you're going to have errors. You're going to have mistakes. I've always said Cardiff City, both fan and a way of playing, are very similar to Chelsea. Right. right? Yeah. They Chelsea fans, not Arsenal fans. Chelsea wouldn't accept the pass, 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 pass. They don't. Chelsea, yeah. they want blood and thunder. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But quality blood and thunder. Yeah. Right? Cardiff City, very much. My experience of yeah. playing... Oh, Listen, don't kick it long. Nathan, yeah. I want to see you go past him and him yeah. and cross it for Carvel coming in or Pikey coming in or whatever. That's what they want. They want to see football. But they're not going to say, right, 
get to the edge of the eight and yard box, you know, yeah. recycle possession, come back out. If you're eight and yard box and you're one on one as a winger, they expect you to have a go at him. It's 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 interesting. Uh, oh, now we've gone away from me or whatever, but <laughs> it's interesting because if you if you tactically set up that you want to play all this possession on the edge of your box again. From the perspective of you as a manager, you're doing that to try and encourage the opposition to come on to you. Once you encourage the opposition to come on to you, there's two ways of playing past that. It's either play over through it or it's play over the press. Yeah. Well, if you can play over in one pass, that allows your front four or five players, three players only you have, to have more time and space because yeah. you've got to remember the team that presses you will press with four or five to try and win the ball. Mm. If you haven't got a spare man there, yeah, you goalkeeper, but when it goes back to the goalkeeper, they'll press. If you haven't got a spare man there, why are you trying to find a way out that way when one simple pass, and it's a quality pass, it's not a hoof, it's a good directed City ball do it? into, right? <laughs> so why did they sign a goalkeeper again? But it's just figuring out what you're doing, where you're doing it and why you're doing mm, it and mm. then getting your players' mindset to build into Absolutely. that. Sorry. Just come back to the MLS, you touched on it yeah. a little bit and um, you said the quality is always improving. How, how much is it improving? And if you were to place it similar to a league that people in Europe maybe would understand where would you place it yeah it's, it's, a, it's a real good question that one and I've been asked every year since I've been over there and again to this day I can't tell you exactly because I've chopped and changed when you're in it sometimes when you're in something you you think it's it's really 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 good and then you step out of it and you go and watch your French second division team and you realise how good that level of football is mm. so it's growing um, people compare it sometimes to the Premier League I, I think that's a little bit too far-fetched I think the championship there's teams in the championship which certain teams in Major League Soccer would be able to compete with on a on a one-off or a five-game basis yeah. over 40 games oh, yeah. you know, I would I would place it low championship yeah. high league one and that is but you do then like Carl says you do have then the top teams who might have an uh, Ibrahimovic or what have you or a, a top top player or a couple of top players, uh, not the Red Bulls, the other New York NFC, uh, yeah. NYFC, yeah. they've had some, you know, top, top, top players, mm. the, the but tr- the tr- they usually at the back end of their career, Yeah, right? I would say the championship, 46 games, I would say the top of the, the top MLS teams on average would fear and hold their own in the championship. You might get the odd winners and what have you, but they'd hold their own in the championship, I would say. I think there's a number of players in certain teams that would quite comfortably play in the championship. Not everyone, not all of them. You know, there's the odd, odd few odd players would be able to play in the Premier League scattered yeah. around. Yeah. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's different rules over there. It's salary cap. You know, you have a salary cap and you have to stick to within that salary cap. Um, and it's good. It's the, the way the league is structured. It's very good for the market and for the league. And, no team runs away with it, but nowadays, nowadays, because of the transfer fees going on, young South American players, you know, the two players last year to leave the league were uh, Miguel Almiron, who was at Atlanta, who won the league, and fantastic player, the best player in the league, uh, gone to Newcastle now, and the Newcastle fans like him. Uh, he works hard, he runs around, um, Don't score but he goals. hasn't scored a goal. Mm. All right, so again, he was the best player in the league. Uh, and then you had Alfonso Davis, who was with me at Vancouver Whitecaps, Canadian boy who's at Bayern Munich. Fantastic young player, 19, 18 years of age. I played him at 15. 
uh, who progressed and developed. You know, when people say, well, who, who, who developed him and who, listen, the kid developed him. I coached him, but he's going to go on to the next coach now and the next coach. So it's down to the player about whether they actually uh, want to develop as quickly as they do. Uh, you need good coaching, but you're always going to get good coaching at the top level. Uh, but he went for 15 odd million, well, 12, 15 odd million dollars. So, you know, fantastic young player, but Chelsea have got five of them or six of them that aren't even playing in their team. All right. So again, it's, it's trying to compare it is very hard, uh, but it's growing. You know, the league has got new teams coming in next year with Nashville and, and Miami. Um, and it's good. And it's really enjoyable. It's a great lifestyle. Um, but again, when you've got Ibrahimovic goes over there for the second year and scores 30 goals again, yeah. you know, you see the level who, who, by the way, wasn't in the Man United team when he left because prior to him getting injured, he was coming in and out um, and left. Two years later, is still arguably the best, if not one of the best players in the league. So that's and uh, the boy used to be at Arsenal. He's Carlos Vela. Yeah, he's, he's got yeah. A, a he, He'll win MVP of the, of the yeah. league. Um, he, they're arguably in the best team. Mm. And if results go, then they might reach reach each other in the playoffs this year. And am I right in saying that Rob Earnshaw was on, on the coach? Co- he was, yeah. We, it's good old Ernie. Ernie played for me in his last final season at Vancouver. Um, and I allowed Ernie the opportunity to come and coach. I actually was pushing him to take a role within the club with me um, because he's got a good mind. He's got a bright mind. Um, he needs to be taught. He needs to be. He needs to learn. Um, but all his ideas, as we talk here, City or Blakey, and I'll argue with Blakey. You know, no problem at all. But he's got a football mind. He's very smart. He's very diligent at what, how he thinks about the game, how he looks at the game. And Ernie's a younger version of that. Uh, and when you have people like that, it's it's a shame why they're not involved in football clubs or football because of the amount of help they could give people. And that's the way I looked at Ernie and I said, you've had a good background, a good upbringing in relation to coaches and what's clubs and what's right and what's not and what's good and what's bad. And I wanted to give him the opportunity because... Hans Backer gave me the opportunity when I was a young player, uh, an old player, to become <laughs> a, a <laughs> player coach. Um, well, so I've done that, but it wasn't just Robert Earnshaw I'd done it with. I'd done it with Pamadou Carr. I'd done it with Mara Rosales as the ex-player because I was given a, an opportunity as an ex-player. So when you were out there and there, there was the vacant Wales job, that there was talk over here that you were potentially in the, in the running for that. Can you, can yeah. you shine a bit of light on, no, on I that can't. time? Um, <laughs> no, I can't. No, listen, I was still, had had a job at the time and I was still in work and I was very happy where I was. Um, you know, I always thought that Ryan would be the right guy for Wales because, you know, they had Chris Coleman after Mark Hughes, obviously the late Gary Speed as well, and they they've always give... Uh, or the job has always gone to an ex-player who, who deserves their chance or is starting their career and things like that. So there was never any um, thought about me applying for the job. At that time, I was in a, a job where I was happy and comfortable. I'd had four years of great success. Um, you know, so it wasn't the right time at the right place. You know, I haven't said that. You know, if you ask any ex-Welsh player who's gone into the coaching and management side, if they say that at one stage of their career they don't want to manage Wales, they'd be lying. Uh, or they haven't got the passion. What? You know, one thing I have got, like all Welsh people, is the passion, you know, the the, the work, the the work ethic, the the feeling of what it takes to play for Wales. And if you've got that, you don't throw it away. You don't let bottle it up. You try and, well, maybe you it do never, bottle it. It never leaves you. never leaves you. No, it no. doesn't. So, you know, one day, maybe, who knows, you know, there's been uh, other international opportunities for me at the moment, which have come up while I've been taking a break, which I haven't took because... 
You know, if I'm going to go and manage a, a country, there's there's not too many countries I want to manage. Is that, no, is that the Costa Rica job, is it? Is yeah. About that? yeah. How, how did that come about? Well, again, when you're out of work, it's funny. When you're in work, people say you're, you're, people want you because you're in a job and that's the best time to get another job. But when you're out of, job, out of a job, you're obviously, how can I say, targeted by teams or, or places that, because you're free and you don't cost them anything to get you out of, out of your current job. So... Uh, I've been out of work now. Uh, I've taken a break. I was always going to take a year's break anyway. And I've had a couple of phone calls from all over the country, really, different parts of the world. And you couldn't actually make it up. You know, it's from one end of the world uh, to the other in relation to opportunities. And I had a couple of Costa Rican players with me that I've, I found in Saprissa and played with me and were great with me. The Costa Rican culture is very laid back, very calm, very... Uh, happy-go-lucky. because you've been hanging with brothers all your life. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. Um, so I got on great with them and obviously then they, they, there was a search. The, new, the, the previous manager had left because he said that it was a bit of a holiday camp um, which obviously was a flag to me and I looked at it and you know I spoke to people and you know, it's it probably wasn't for me at the right time. Uh, again, go back to you have to make decisions as a manager. You have to make decisions and you have to live by them and stick by them. But know that they they're made for the right reasons. So, if the ideal opportunity comes now in the UK, at what level would you want that to be, Rob? Yeah, again, that's it's an open question, and I mean that because you know everyone wants to manage in the Premier League. Yeah, They've all yeah. got it. I, but but you're, I, you know, you're realistic. I'm realistic, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I said, if, you know, if something project I talk about a project and there's not many projects around in 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 England at the moment because if you lose six games you're out of a job or you don't win in certain amount of games Bolton's or, a project again yeah it's a big project yeah yeah there's big projects but again when yeah. you have a project you know it's not just about going in and, and having an interview for a job it's it's about sitting down with the people who are in charge of the project and have a plan does your plan does you, the way you, your philosophy and the way you want to build the football club because you've got to come in as if this is what I do and this is why I do it align with the football club and if it doesn't align with the football club for whatever reason then it's probably not the right job do you know I look at uh, Nathan at Nathan Jones at Stoke yep. and I would say if all clubs were that lenient I think you get a lot more success from managers yeah. because let's be fair he's had a bit of a torrid over the last yeah. well this season really or since he's gone there and he's been cut a lot of slack a lot of leeway and you know I credit Stoke for that because what they're saying is we're not going to change we've brought him in he's he's obviously impressed us he's done well at Luton but you know we're not going to first sign a trouble well they must be under the attempt sign a trouble yeah. And they're still saying, okay, we're going to persist, we're going to persist. But then it comes to the point where then Nathan has to turn it around. Yeah, It's as simple as that. You can't keep saying. And if I'm totally honest, Robbo touched on it earlier. I think Nate's biggest problem, and I don't know this looking in, I'm just going from a mind of a footballer, is we're Premier League, you're League One manager, show us what you got. Oh, it's not quite what we were used to, blah, 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 blah. I honestly think... That is probably part of the problem. That in the dressing room, players aren't looking at him and thinking, "I'm going to run through brick walls for him." Mm. Right? That's just from the outside looking. At, look, might get there, analyze it, be totally different. But generally, I think that is a, a you know that's what biggest hurdle Nathan has to get over is convincing his team, "I am your leader." So managers lose their jobs for what reasons? 
results, mm -hmm. can't get the best out of their players, mm. or they have a fallout. With and the board member. With the, and that's usually the way it is. Or he moves to another job because he's been headhunted. Yeah. So when you look at that, what from a man, you have to get the best out of your players. If you're not getting the best out of the players or the players aren't responding to you individually and collectively, individually you have to move the player. And it, the player have got their own agendas, objectives about what their idea is, what their situation is. Do they believe they're a Premier League player or not? If they believe, if Nathan believes he's a Premier League player and I'm managing a championship team and I can't get out of him what I know I need, I have to move Nathan Blake. Mm. Because Nathan Blake might affect the next one and the next one based upon his view and his ideals, what he wants for him. Mm. And you have to... As a manager, you have to decide that and stick, go over the back end of the board because if, if Blakey wants to leave to a Premier League club and I want him to go, but he's valued at X amount and, it, and we can't get that, then you weigh up what is the decision worth. Would you say, like we say, what's good for the jackass, saying it was good for the jackass cat, right? Yeah. So would you say in Nathan's situation that he might have gone into Stoke from White and Gather using the same things that worked at Luton yeah. and expecting them to just work at Stoke over a period of time. Now, I would say, if Nathan yeah. and I were working together, I would say that's a mistake. Right. All right? I know it worked there, but the mind, your mind frame, well, he, Carl, Nathan, has to change, yeah. right? Or Nate, your yeah. mind frame has to change because these players' mind frame are not like the League 1, League 2 mind yeah. frame players. Well, I, They've I come down from the top, yeah. top, it's interesting you say that because I don't know if you watched, you know, over North America, it's eight, we're eight hours uh, behind UK. So at lunchtime, I can watch all the football at eight o'clock in the, the evening. Mm. I watched two weeks ago, I believe, prior to Stoke beating Swansea, which surprised everyone. Uh, great for Nathan, obviously disappointing for Swansea was they played at home to Knott's Forest and I think they lost 3-2 at home. 3-1. 3-1 at home. Mm. And if you listen to Nathan's interview after the game, it was very... Tell him what you said to me there, you get the feeling. He actually expressed. He said he had yeah, come in. My team aren't with me, basically. He, he'd come in <laughs> and he had his ideas at Luton, which had been very successful. Mm -hmm. uh, they'd, you know, they'd, they'd got promoted and they were in a position to get promoted again. And he had his certain way and styles and philosophy. And he didn't change that. He actually implemented that in Stoke, which you would think. Uh, from basic terms would work because Stoke have better players yeah, Stoke have yeah, better yeah, people yeah. Um, they're a bigger club and that's no disrespect to Luton but he'd done the same thing and he's not been able to get the best out of the Stoke players as he was in the Luton players so again it comes down to what's the players individually's mind, individual mindset you know I look at Stoke's roster uh, roster team sheet and I think Jeez, they have got some top, top players. Well, a jockey don't ride the two different horses the same way, does he? No, no. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Some horses he knows he's going to yeah. have to push. Yeah. Some horses he knows he can sit back and this horse just got a determination to win. So he approaches that horse yeah. you know, individually. And that's yeah. what I've always said. You've got to be, whilst not moving away from your philosophy, no. you might have to improve your philosophy. So or slightly. When I said, when you asked me about you know, how I played, which way I wanted mm. to go. The philosophy didn't change, just elements and fundamental, fundamental elements changed with it. Absolutely. Tactical identity changed with it, but it didn't go away from how my team knew we wanted to play. And I think that's, as Nathan said, he, 
His idea was just do the same thing. We wouldn't make right. a bad team, you and I, Rob. Yeah, one day. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I know we'd be good. Maybe, maybe. So, Carl, what's your situation now? Where, where are you living? Yeah, I, I'm still over in North America. I'm, I'm traveling lots at the moment. So I've, I've been back to... Uh, I've watched a couple of youth tournaments. I've been over scouting a few players. Just because while you're out of work, I was always told as a manager... You're not a proper manager until you get sacked or you leave. Mm. Uh, but And then I also got told you need a break. And after well, I was 17 when I started playing until 43, uh, that's 25 years, 25, four and a half years, I needed a break. I needed to reset. I needed to get back to basics in my life, which were my wife and my two children, which are the most important thing, um, and get the enjoyment back in that because it's stressful. The job is stressful. The job is, is very difficult. Um, you know, you got to work as a team. That's very important. And I did that, and I had great success at Vancouver, and I really enjoyed my time. But it was the right time for for me, and it was the right time for them. Uh, and we move on. So, I've I've been taking a break. I've had a couple of holidays, but my work has not stopped. I've watched more football now than I did while I was in the job because I was able to. I've got my plans in place. I've got my targets. I've identified from Europe and also South Central America that I would like to sign if I had a um, you know I'm a next opportunity. So I'm prepared. Um, where that will be, you know, who knows? We who don't was know. the, um, you'll know him straight away, South American striker, MLS, Shaw. Joseph Martinez. I said Cardiff City, I right. said should sign him about two years ago. Yeah, Venezuelan boy. Oh, so what if you a look player. At, so if you look at, what a finish. example, you're talking about building a club from... You know the the recruitment side of it. You know, you look at Venezuela, and Venezuela are a uh, real poor country going through some hard times at the moment. Solomon Rondon, mm-hmm. Premier League striker. You know, he's he's done really well in the Premier League. And you got uh, Joseph Martinez, mm-hmm. the boy you mentioned there, mm-hmm. being the top goal scorer in the league for the last two years. He was at Roma, I think, not playing, or Torino, not playing. Torino. And um, you know, they paid eight million dollars for him, which is about four million pound. When you look at the Championship now. What can you get for four million? Exactly. All right, and he might be worth eight million now. Yeah. But you look at the championship now. This yeah. player's going for eight million yeah. that couldn't lace Joseph Martinez's boots. Robo, not just that. We haven't had an out and out number nine to get twenty goals for I don't know how many years. And I, but yeah. my, I always say it's no good just buying a player and expecting it. No, you have to work on right. how you're going to get him the twenty goals. Yeah, his natural ability will get him fifteen goals a season in yeah. this league. I believe. But I believe he'd get you 25, 30 goals, honestly. I think he's a... He's a top player. I've been saying two years, you know, he's a player that they should be looking at. He's a top player and obviously his his best friend, his teammate Almeron, went to Newcastle last year. So I think obviously that'll be his his target. Darren Eels, who's the general manager, technical director, sporting director Mm. of Atlanta. Um, He's done a great job there and I think... You know, I don't think Martinez will be short of offers. Um, you know, he got a bit of concussion towards the end of the season, but he's fine. He's a, if you're a championship manager, you'd sign him, but you'd need to know how to manage him because he's from a different background. Yeah, he different has a culture. different culture. Absolutely. And unless you're willing to instill yourself from a man management point of view and understand what he needs, what he likes, what what helps him what he wants to avoid, his family situation, things like that, then you shouldn't sign him because... Yeah, but, but that's, that's, I think that's where we are today. Yeah. One of the things I would say when I was a kid growing up is the culture I was brought up in was very different to yeah. other people who from Wales, from my state, yeah. different with West Indian, right? We yeah. have a different culture. Yeah. 
But when you go to the club, everyone's expected to just accept what's coming. Yeah. I don't believe in that. No. I believe in if I sign a player, I have to understand yeah. everything about him. You know, when he strolls in and not bothered, there's no no point me getting all stressed in there because that is his culture. My worry and my only thing is how he performs for 90 minutes. As a, right? as a manager. The rest of it, I can manage and expect and yeah. blah, 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 blah. We can go through. But when it comes to 90 minutes, this is what I expect from you. That's the only time I'll put expectation on That's the only time when supporters will judge him and judge you Absolutely. for signing him is then. What you can't do is... You can't actually try and immerse yourself not in his culture. Mm. You have to. You have yeah. to find out what makes him tick. There's yeah. always something that makes him tick. You have yeah. to understand what his culture was prior to moving to MLS, yeah. what his situation's been, what's succeeded with him. As a manager, as a coach, you have to get to know players on an individual basis. And when you hear, these are the rules, this is what we set, there's no compromise for anyone. From, from my perspective, I'll tell you, rules cannot be broken all right that's fact if you're in at nine o'clock you're in at nine o'clock if you're in at one minute to nine or you're in at 8 30 you're still in before nine o'clock right it doesn't make you any different professional right but the rules are the rules but certain certain people at certain stages at certain times need guidance and need help and if you're not willing from a manager point of view to help them through that period you ain't going to get the best out of them on the field and i've not met a player yet that hasn't needed a manager's help so when you it's easy from a uh, player perspective or Blakey needs help he's a favourite he's getting all this that's really naive from me because I know at some stage I will need help from the manager it might be a different topic altogether but I'll need help mm. Okay well Carl thanks a lot for that we um, we best get on to previewing some uh, some Cardiff City so The longest we'll boot room ever yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, So we'll be talking Sheffield Wednesday and Cardiff City in the final part of Blakey's boot room Hello and welcome back to the final part of Blakey's Boot Room where we will be previewing Sheffield Wednesday and Cardiff City at Cardiff City Stadium on Friday night. Blakey, I'll come to you first with this one. Aye, aye. What, what are our initial thoughts of Sheffield Wednesday coming down to Cardiff City? Uh, uh, it'd be a night? tricky game. They're on a good run this season. Yeah. I have to say, I think they've only lost once, maybe twice, I think, something like that, this season. So, good team. Um, I believe that Forrest Dieri boy is back after his ban for... Um, only banned for some racist stuff, I think. Um, so I think he's he's back in the fold. Good player, albeit. Um, but uh, make no bones about it, it'd be a difficult game, I think, Sheffield Wednesday. I think they started the season better than a lot of people thought they would. And they've just carried that momentum on, that word again, that momentum <coughs> on, uh, to now. So, look, good team, good footballing team. But, you know... I still believe that at home we should have enough, you know, to deal with that situation. And Carl, from the outside looking in, almost, what have you made of, of Cardiff City's start this season? A mixed bag, probably. <clears throat> you talk about, you know, results. That, that's the main thing. But you can you can look at it either way, as we talked about Wales earlier. And there's uh, you know the, the good victory at home the other day I think it was against Middlesbrough when they win three nil and there's other other defeats where they go to West Brom and they lose four two away from home and I think they're still trying to f- Neil's probably trying to figure out what his best team is in relation to the attacking pieces uh, the midfield balance whether it's a two and a one or one and a two 
Um, so, you know, it's going to be a big week. You know, this week, obviously, the away game in Millwall and then the, the friendly derby up the road on the Sunday. Uh, it, it is a massive week for them. Um, make no bones about it. They need to get results because, you know, the championship is really funny and you can be at the bottom and then get on a run and put yourself up in the top six pretty quickly. But the, the best teams are always there or thereabouts. You know, they want to For get, the duration. For the duration, yeah. yeah. And they deal with circumstances of, of one defeat, two defeats in a row. But when you get on a roll and you're winning three, four games in a row, you've got to reverse that as well. You can easily get on a roll of three or four defeats. So... Nine points available this week for them. You know, they've got to go after nine. Obviously, I'm sure that they'll the target Neil will have in his mind, but they certainly don't want to pick up very minimal points. So it's going to be a difficult game. What I'll say about Sheffield Wednesday, it's an interesting, a really interesting game. Obviously, Gary Monk, former Swansea manager, will come. I'm sure he'll get pelt. As Gary was in charge of, of Birmingham and left, uh, obviously got fired. His style philosophy of football you know Birmingham fans critiqued him because he had 35% 40% possession he'd gone from the Swansea mindset of keep the ball yeah, and play yeah, this certain yeah, way yeah. he's been at stops at Leeds at Middlesbrough in between yeah, now he's yeah. at Sheffield Wednesday so you, you know I think their characteristics of their team might not want the ball all the time and I think he's evolved as a coach and that's credit to him because it's all each team is different each style is different uh, each club ideas are different the um, ball will just be in the middle because both teams well, will one. <laughs> that could be your worry. <laughs> Everyone just run around it. So, but it'd be a good game. It'd be a good game. Um, Blakey Cardiff is set to come up against uh, former winger Kadeem Harris. Did you think that was a, bit of a strange decision to let him go, or do you understand why why Neil? Did no, that? I always thought I I never thought he ever got given a fair crack at Cardiff City. Um, whenever he played, I like him because he. Had, I always say as a winger, I played winger traditionally growing up and for a few years for Cardiff. I'd say as as a winger, you, you, you attack your full back down the outside, right? You kill him down the outside. Once you've got him down the outside, he doesn't know where you're gonna go. You know, so you can come inside, go outside, but once you, he knows you can roast him for pace as well, down the outside, it makes your life so much easier. And that's what I loved about Kadeem, was he would, nine times out of 10, he would attack the space. When he played in the Premier League for Cardiff, he made an impression, come mm. off the bench, blah, 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 but he would always attack down the outside of the fullback, regardless. And I think he's been able to go to Sheffield Wednesday and show what he's what he's capable of. And uh, I don't think Neil Warnock cares one way or the other uh, of letting him go. But me personally, yeah, I would have liked to see him given a proper a proper opportunity at Cardiff City. And um, I think he could have done well. I, I looked at him two years ago when I was in Major League Soccer. And I looked at him because he wasn't playing mm. regular for Cardiff. And I thought he had something about him which was different. He had power and pace. And yes, he made wrong runs and he made wrong decisions. But the attributes, the strength You've attributes... You've got to coach that, right, Rob? Well, as a kid. You, you have. Yeah. The strength attributes that you had um, based upon football in, in North America, which is very physical and it's very, mm. you know, um, power, pace orientated. And it is he would fit that model but he was out of my reach based upon the salaries and the money he was on but yeah. that was a characteristic I liked and I thought do you know what he needs he needs an arm around the shoulder he needs, someone to he love needs a little bit of love yeah, 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 and he absolutely. needs a bit of guidance yeah. and yeah. I think Gary's done that now at Sheffield Wednesday yeah. and you're getting the best out of him but that's all players all players need that and players once you uh, once you tell a player once a player knows I think I said this a couple of weeks ago when a player knows that the manager is having them mm. and he's you're his number one Players are in a totally different mind frame. They'll 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 
you'll always, not always, but nine times out of ten, you'll get the best out of that player. Mm. Definitely. And I don't think he ever was in that situation. He was bought here and right from the get-go, never really played. I mean, he played under Trollope. Like I said, he was he was the only player we had in the squad who had pace and they would often pay him as, bring him on as a right-back. I was like, yeah. well, you're mm. almost purposely yeah. sabotaging the boy. Mm. You know, he's a right-winger or a winger, you know, and he's threatening. Why would you bring him on as a right-back when you've got no one in front of him who's got any sort of pace, yet you're playing counter-attack football, which is crying out for a player with pace? I think it's important to say, though, uh, he'll come into the game tomorrow, obviously wanting to prove something, wanting to enjoy, right? Irrelevant of the game, and I say that with all due respect to the result or whatever, he, he's a good player, mm. all right? And he's had a good season so far. So it doesn't, if he does play great and he does play well and Sheffield Wednesday get the result, I'm sure people will say they made the wrong decision. And if he doesn't play well, people will say they made the right, right decision. decision. What I'll say is take the emotion out of yeah, it. Yeah, he's a good player. He's a good player. Mm. He needed maybe a change, maybe a new manager, maybe confidence, and he's become a good player. So he's a good player, irrelevant of the outcome tomorrow. And who knows how he'll do. Blakey, do you think it might be time for, for City to start with two up front, maybe? Or do you think that's not going to be a possibility in the Warnock team? <laughs> I just don't think it's a possibility, <laughs> mate, honestly. Like I say to Paul every week, it's all point getting all like head up about things. I just don't think, I think he's got his system of play. Uh, he might play with two sixes, he might play with one. Um, I can't see him playing with one six until we're on a roll. Uh, and then he'd probably be too scared to change it, you know. Um, but I just think, you know, it's it's a choice. Do you play with a 10 who's physical and going to help your midfield out a lot? Or do you play with a 10 of Tomlin who's going to be more creative and open up doors for you? I think that's the only snag. Personnel will change, but I can't see the system changing, no. So, whether I think it's uh, better with the two up front, with three up front, with one up front is irrelevant. <laughs> it's not going to happen, mate. I just can't see it happening. Uh, and Carl, what were your sort of enduring memories of playing against a Neil Warnock team? Well, I actually played for Neil Warnock at Sheffield United. Uh, so I, I know the, the the good things and obviously the, the opposition side of it. When you played against a Neil Warnock team, you knew you had to be on it. Every battle, every tackle, every header... You had to be organised at set pieces to make sure that they didn't catch you on that. And that's they played played a certain way uh, to gain advantages for for his players. So I've, I've had the best of both worlds. Um, playing for him, what I'll say is, is you know, I, I enjoyed my time under him for one month it was at Sheffield United because he makes the players feel warm. He makes the players want to run through a brick wall for him. Um, we played a 4-4-2 back then in, at Sheffield United. Um, but the, the the camaraderie, the spirit, which gets you promotion, by the way, in the, in the locker room. It's not a case of our talented individuals get you promotion. Teams get you promotion. What the 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 belief in the team, the how can I say togetherness, togetherness, camaraderie, all yeah. of these words, which you would, you would simple, uh, think are simple, they get you promotion because they get you on a roll. They get you on momentum. You know, players, when they're together through the good times as well as the bad times, um, show you what it's like to be part of a team. And Blake, you'll tell you, I'll tell you on promotion winning teams, you just knew, mm. even in that season. And I know it's easy to say after the event, but I could tell you halfway through the season with Sunderland, we were going to win promotion. Mm. Same with Portsmouth, and, he, and Blake, you'll tell you the same. So it's going to, 
Remember, uh, can, sorry, remember the Wolves where we missed out? Yes. Didn't even make the playoffs? Yeah. We'll name any names. Yeah. But the dressing room yeah. was awful. separated. Yeah, it was awful. Right? Yeah. Good bunch. We had a great bunch of lads. Banda yeah. was fantastic. Yeah. But then you had battles in the dressing room between yeah. certain players. Yeah. Which then spilled onto the pitch. Correct. Which then just, we were, I think, I don't know if it was 10 points with 12 games or yeah. 12 points with 10 games. Uh, we were top of the table and we didn't even make the yeah. didn't make the top six, did we? Yeah. Which so is why it's so important to have a manager like Neil who's very good at keeping the cohesion then. Without a doubt. Mm. You, need, you need managers that are going to bring players together individually to make it a collective because mm. you have your individual And it's always the ones. I was always taught, focus more on the ones who aren't playing rather than the ones who are. The ones who are just going by the day-to-day. It's the ones who aren't playing who will always be the problem. Mm. Yeah, who will, you know... You know, upset because I'm not starting or blah 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 blah. blah. But do you agree with that, uh, Blake? You could be a manager. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's 100 percent right. One to eleven, they're happy. They're playing. That's all players care about, whether they play or not. Mm. It's eleven to twenty or eighteen. They're the ones that you have to keep happy because if you don't keep them happy, come Tuesday night when Blakey decides to pull a hamstring or it's a bit cold and he doesn't want to play. You have to then go to that person who you've not spent time, energy, working on the training field with mm. and ask him to perform for you. That's no good. You can't mm. do that. So he's 100% right. You spend more time with the non-players, starting players, than you do with the starting players. And uh, Blake, I know we, we've spoken about how good Cardiff City's home form has been uh, this season, but because of their poor away form, does that make winning it, to add more no, pressure? I to would say their home form has been okay. I don't think we've been great. I think we've picked up points. Yeah, right? in terms of results. Yeah, I mean, in yeah. terms of results. And But I always say you want, you don't just want the result, you want the performance. Because the performance and result will then carry that confidence on. Your player, you're, you're not stupid. If you've been dicked around on the pitch and they've, they've smashed your possession wise and you know, you've nicked a 1 0, you don't go into the dressing room and go, oh man, yeah, we batted. You know. Uh, we got out of jail, mate. We need mm. to improve our performance. You'll say it to each other, we need to improve, mate. If we keep going like that, we're going to get smashed. Right? So the, 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 the results have been there at home, but I do say the performances need to improve, definitely. Does it add more pressure, though, that their away form has been so uh, Of course, of course, because you're a Premier League team coming down, you're expected to go to places like Wigan and win. You're expected to go to places like Hull and win these, these are the you know they're not I always said the start of the season looking at the fixture you are going to be well battle hard and ripe and ready for October which was going to be a huge month mm. right and still we're in the same boat as home form decent away form struggling a bit you know what I mean so yeah you know it's no it's no it's no good me saying you know we went at home it doesn't really matter about the way result. If you want to get promoted or you want to get in the top six, you've got to be saying, right, if if we have, you know, out of our um, 23 away games, you know, we've picked up at least 10 wins. Mm. If you're looking to get promotion, I bet you last time we got at least 11, 12 wins away from home. You know, that's, that's what it's going to require. So, you know, whilst, and at the moment, the away games, I don't think we've been against the top opposition. I mean, so we've got those top opposition 
uh, teams to come. So, it's, it, it, you know, I'm hoping that when you play the top opposition, our form goes up. But if you look at West Brom, then, you know, we weren't really in the game, then got into it late on, but then they probably uh, scored a deserved four and you know, made the scoreline what it should have been. You know, it might have looked, un- it looked unrealistic that 3-2 then, to me, mm. look, judging by what I saw. In a perfect world, you want to play really well and get results at home mm. and play really well and get results away. Mm. If you're getting results at home but not playing you know, the way you want to play and you're not getting results away from home and you're not playing the way... That's hard over mm-hmm. a course of a 46-game season. Mm. So the reason why you want to play well at home and get results, which is the ideal, is to try then and take that playing confidence. well, a w- confidence away from home right. to get you a few results Absolutely. away from home. If you're not playing well at home and getting results, you ain't going to play... You're not playing well, so you're not going to play well away. Yeah. And that, that limits your chances of getting results. So it's it's about those little and that blocks. Kind of, that kind of... That's where we are, right? Mm, yeah, Cardiff at the moment. Yeah. Right. yeah, I don't think we're playing like I don't think we're as good a team as we were last time around in the championship, and I don't think we're playing as well last time when we were in the championship, and that answers the question right there. You know, you, your performance is so important. Yeah, I don't care what anyone says. Rob will tell you, being a player, your performance. What you don't want to do is nick a one nil at home getting smashed. Right, and then think I'm gonna go away to West Brom and beat them three 0 It's yeah. not gonna happen, mate, because you're not. Your performance level isn't where it needs to be in no. order to go away from them. Your confidence level isn't where it needs to be, because you don't fool yourself. You know, oh, we got away with murder there, or you know. If you put the building blocks in place of performance, then results. Then you're hoping, ideally, takes Come care of itself. Of it, yeah. If you don't, and you're not playing well, and you go and nick a result away from home based upon not playing well. That's not going to happen 23 times mm. during your away games this season. That might happen again, but two, two or three times max, out of ten. Max. All right, But you've got to put your blocks in place. If your building blocks aren't in place with your performance, which lead to results, then you're going to have an up, down, up, down, in and out season. So um, I'm conscious of time, so we'll just come on to um, some questions. A couple of questions um, came in for Carl that I'll, I'll, I'll put to him. Uh, Stephen Johnson asks, uh, what do you make of the Will Vogue situation? Not getting much of a look in at Cardiff, but obviously good enough to be picked for Wales. Strange uh, is the word I you will use because we know he's a good player. Obviously, he's a Welsh player, which is important for all Welsh players to play regular to help, obviously, the national team as well. Paid £2 million, two million pound for him, yeah. a lot of money. Uh, you know, only Neil will know, and you have to ask Neil, but... My thought on it would be, if you look at the characteristics of the midfield players they already have in Joe Rawls, uh, Dak and also Bakuna, where does Will Volks fit into that? Um, is he too similar? If you've got those four and you're only playing, if you're playing three of them and Tomlin's not playing or, or Patterson plays as that 10 instead. So likelihood is there's going to be two, two out of that four that don't play. Is it, so there's debate. Has he been given a chance or not? Has he been given a chance, proper chance yet? Probably not, no. Whose fault is that? Is it the managers? Is it the players? No one knows. No one knows what goes on behind closed doors. But it's been a strange signing. Uh, he's a good player, uh, but he needs to play. Players want to play. So I think as if nothing changes between now and Christmas, I think um, you might see a bit of movement. And just finally, we have one from, from Dan Phillips. We kind of touched on it a little bit, but he says, Carl, how do you think managing in the MLS would compare to managing in the championship? 
Well, I, exactly the same. He's going to say. Nah, <laughs> nah, do you know? It would have its. It would have its differences, no doubt. Yeah, but um, people are people, are right, Robbo? Yeah. It's people teach, who go out and battle for you, right? You t- I said at the start of the show, you teach your kids the right things to do, and whether you're talking to a, a five-year-old son or a, a 25-year-old grown man, just tell him the truth, mm. be honest with him, and your job is to guide him. So there would be differences. I don't believe there'd be too many differences, um, but obviously I keep I keep my eye on football over here anyway. Mm. So I watch all the games, I know all the results, I can tell you all the managers, I can tell you who's doing well and who's not. So that doesn't change. Uh, and I know what I'm like, I'm a people person, I'm a, I'm a man manager. And based upon now having 200 games behind me as a manager, because that's one of, one of the club's worries, I think. Sometimes when they're employing young managers or new managers, they think he's got no experience. But you never right. experience it. How do you get it? It's like a player. Yeah. Why don't you play the young players? You play a young player and he doesn't play well the first game. What do you do? Oh, we leave him out. Well, if you're a young manager, all right, and I, I class myself as a young manager, but I've had five years of experience and seven years, eight years now of full-time coaching. Mm. So I want to experience different parts of the world. That's the interesting thing. I'm not a British manager that just wants to manage in Britain and be you know, stereotyped to managing in Britain. I'm open to anything, which is why obviously the the options have come in from international and all almost ended up in Kazakhstan. No, I wouldn't know how to spell that. Kazakhstan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Champions League, man. Yeah. Yeah. But hopefully one day I'll be able to give you the answer to that. Mm. Brilliant. Okay, then. Well, we'll come on to um, some predictions finally. Absolutely. Um, we let our, our guest go first. Yeah, I think, please, Blakey. please, so, please, please, because um, this is my favourite part of the show. Carl, Not. your score prediction for Cardiff City Sheffield Wednesday, please. I think it will be a two-one victory to Cardiff. Oh, endearing himself to boot room <laughs> <laughs> so I think prediction. Sheffield Wednesday will score first. Mm. And I think um, score too late Cardiff will score equalise in the second half, and I think they will score late on. Nathan Blake. Ooh, I, he always pours over his uh, I predictions. I would go uh, similar to Robbo. Um, so I'm going to go two now. We have very similar predictions quite a lot of the time, don't we, Nathan? Mm. I was going to go 2 0 as well. I think set piece early doors and one just on the stroke of half time. I always said set piece. I'm always right. I'm always right. Set piece piece every time because he knows we always score from a set piece. Best predictor of all time. Absolutely. Uh, And then one on the stroke of half time and then share up shop after half time. Score later on. We always finish strong. Neil Warnock's team's always finish strong. Okay, then, well, uh, Carl, once again, thank you very much. Blakey, as always, thank yeah, you. Yeah, cheers, Robbo. Great to see you, mate. Thanks uh, for coming in. Thank you very much for your questions. And, as always, thank you very much for listening. For all the latest Cardiff City news, make sure you check in at Wales Online. <laughs> <laughs>